Welcome, everybody, to Navigating Change. This is Howard Teibel, and over to my left is... Pete Wright. Pete, what are we talking about today? You know what? I'm going to tell you. I We had this conversation two now two weeks ago on mission, vision, and strategic planning and the strategic planning process. Yes. I can't believe I'm letting you use that intro, by the way. That gives me a little bit of heart. <laughs> but we had this conversation about mission, vision, and strategic planning. And you, uh, you know, I felt like we, we sort of stopped in the middle. There was a logical next step in that conversation yeah. that we yeah. didn't we didn't quite finish and and yeah. that is around taking this mission and vision and this renewed sense of focus and and planning and answering that question uh, okay what do we do first you know how do we how do we go about this process of distilling all of these high level things into goals for the organization. And I know you go through a number of different models and some that you've you've created yourself this uh, the the uh, you know through the the decision making process and and your brainstorming technique is uh you know a a novel one and I think it's a, you know I wonder if you could share some insights on how you distill big thinking into specific thinking. All right, so I'm going to read this mission statement. Uh so whether you're the finance division or you call yourselves business affairs, this is the sort of the business side or the administrative side of higher education. And in this particular one is a, is a draft that I was working with the team around. And it was business affairs strives to provide superior customer service to all of its constituents, ensure responsible stewardship of university resources, and provides creative solutions in support of the university's mission. We partner with our colleagues to create a positive and supportive work and learning environment. Now, a couple things. I would not expect you listening to this to be able to spew it back, although if we talked about it, you could probably sort of, there were some key words. The interesting thing about the we partner part, it it could have stopped before I started there, but in this particular case, that that was an important piece because uh, in business affairs in this particular group, uh, they had human resources, and human resources wanted to demonstrate this concept of partnership and creating a positive and supportive working and learning environment. So, so in in me reading this, if you had this in front of you, and you go, you know, this is really short. This used to be probably a two-page document mm-hmm. down to two paragraphs. Now, in the end, this mission statement's intention is to define who we are and, in a sense, our purpose for being. The very next logical question that you ask with a... Um, revised or updated or newly created uh, mission statement is, all right, how do we do that? Right? Those are your goals. Right, right. Right? And, And what's interesting about the nature of this work is you don't necessarily have to do a mission statement to have goals. Um, the, you do have to have goals. I, I think that uh, I, I would be hard-pressed to find an organization that operates with just a mission, a vision, and values, and no clear sense of what are we striving to do. And I'm not even talking about your vision. I'm talking about, all right, in this next year, where are we trying to go? So the, the activity of goal of goal definitions also has many different elements. But ultimately, what you're trying to do here is – Take your purpose, in this case, provide superior customer service, all right? What are three things that we could demonstrate 
in this next fiscal year that others will say we provided superior customer service. Now, if you listen to the words I just used, they're very intentional. Uh, three things, because in my view, there's never one, right? Four is too many because no one can remember four. <laughs> two often is, uh, two can work sometimes, but three is often a very good number to, to say, because what it does by definition is it forces you to say, all right, if it's not five, what are my priorities? That's the only reason three is a great thing to throw out there when you're trying to do goal setting. What are the three goals? No, no, but I got five. Great. Pick your three. Because you're not going to be able to do all five anyways, right? Okay. So, and I also said, what are the three things that around superior customer service, not that you will say you accomplished, but others will say you achieved it. Right. It's you're demonstrating. people you're serving, right? The goal is not, a, it's not about what you said you did. It's about that you demonstrated it for others. Well, how do we know we demonstrated it for others? We have to frame it in a way that we're going to look on the other side of this and say, all right, did we accomplish these goals? We do not do that, by the way, most of the time. Most of our goals, are, are they come off as self-serving. They, they're, yes. they're not, but they come off like that. Well, and that was my next question. Like, how many, how many of these uh, sort of great mission and vision statements actually tie so explicitly? Because that's what I'm seeing here. They really tie explicitly in your example to the mission vision statements. Uh, but how many of these do you see actually going that next step and tying those into their into their daily demonstrable goals? Uh, I, I I think it, it's almost like if if you gave me your goals and I said, all right, tell me how the goals you just sh you're showing me tie to your mission statement. You'd be able to, in many cases, justify or find an inkling of where they tie in, but there's not enough intentionality to tying the goals back to the mission because the argument is, or the excuse is, you know what? That mission statement isn't current. Yeah. Right? Well, so and here's, okay, go ahead. And not only is the mission statement not current, to make it current would require having the right people in the room to have that conversation and then be willing to have boundaries around the conversation. And the boundaries, the hard one is, the reason mission statements stink for the most part is because we have to make everybody happy. So yeah. when you read a mission statement... If there are 10 people that were part of it, each one of them want to see what they think is important in the mission statement. And instead of being willing to say, you know what, let's not be all things to all people, we want this to be memorable. That's, that's by the way, how you, how you cut out all the fat is you say to people, make sure it's memorable. So in the absence of an updated mission statement, we write goals uh, that are consistent with what we believe we should be doing or maybe a new strategic plan. And I think the, the right thing to do, but we just got to be willing to put the time in, is to have a two-hour mission statement conversation. This is who we are. This is what we're serving. And be willing to say it has to be memorable. 
uh, and and then say, and the purpose of this is so that we can write goals that support that mission. When you walk into an institution and you read the mission and everybody seems happy about it, and then you look at these goals and the goals don't tie to the mission, uh, the the example I'm thinking of is, you know, you walk, I'm, I'm looking at a, a set of goals from an operational arm and they say, well, these these goals don't don't seem to tie to the mission you just said you stand for. So the the daily activity, the percentage of daily activity that ties to the mission of of your department, uh, those two things are not in alignment. And the response is, well, those are operational goals. I mean, those are you know, my manager says I still have to file the TPS reports. You know, whether or not we have a new mission statement. That's um, right. You know, how do you handle that kind of cognitive dissonance or operational dissonance? Uh, Oh, that's a great, that's a great question. So, so when, when I think about making progress in that conversation, it all comes down to the leader of that group's capacity and willingness to step back and ask some tough questions and be willing to uncover that they do not, that they in this case do not have uh, alignment between their mission and their goals. Uh, and one of the reasons why I think we, we allow that to be is because it is so commonplace that it does not stand out to have misalignment between our mission and goals. We've been living with it for so long that we, we, we have a pretty low standard for, for integrating the two. And like I said, it takes commitment and leadership you know, I, w- I was saying in front of a group the other day, I was thinking about who uses us. And it's occurring to me more and more that that organizations that use what we do and how we help are those that are ready for change. Those that are not ready for change, uh, they don't use us. And the truth is we cannot do a very good job helping people or groups where there isn't a commitment to something new or different. You're wasting your money. Right. Well, and it comes, doesn't it, then to a uh, a not just one person who's ready for change. Even even if it's not the president who's ready for change, doesn't there there has to be a sort of locus of influence um, among sort of a a body that senses the organization is ready for change. Like what is what does that mean? How do you define ready for change? Because I go back to my example, it's that one sort of manager who says, "Well, I don't really care about the new mission. We still have business to do." Um well, so so if someone was asking me that question in a group, what do I do about the fact that I got one manager? That doesn't buy into this, right? Well, yeah, well, I, I'm speaking right? hyperbolically, but uh, no, no, I, but sure. that's an example. What I would say is, you know what? Who's in charge here? Right, right. Now, if the manager, see, that manager might not be taking it upon themselves to then say, you know what? For our particular area, so for example, if you work in procurement. And your job as a manager is to oversee the buyers or the people that play the role of reaching out to, um, you know, potential vendors. Uh, 
how do you help them tie their work back to the to the goals of procurement? Right. Very often they don't, uh, unless they're the unique kind of individual that says, you know what, I see the value of making sure that my people are connected to the higher level work, and and the truth is, it's a choice, uh, and. We let things slide, which is why we have such low level of accountability in organizations, because we let that kind of stuff go. We let people not have to uh, raise their work to the level of being strategic. And it's because it's hard work. Uh, Not difficult, but it requires a willingness to be in an ambiguous conversation. Right. When I put a mission statement in front of a group and I say, all right, this was your mission. This has been your mission statement for the last two years. What do you think? And they're not inspired. So how about if we rewrite it? That is a creative um, can be very exciting. I can tell you the level of energy that comes out of rewriting your mission statement with the right people in the room can transform how people view the work. Because they get excited then. Because they literally, it's almost like creating a new business. Right. When you write a mission, mission statement for a department, you walk out of there going, you know what? I now know, I, I'm now going to tell a story to my people why we do what we do. We didn't have a good way of doing that before. It was stale. Um, so, Pete, there's always going to be people in your group that um, are not going to be willing to change or or embrace a bigger picture, and if you're the leader of that group, you're either gonna you know pull you're you're either gonna say you know what I'm I, I'm gonna pick my battles, um, and in this case I'm not gonna go after this person who is not really getting their group tied to the larger work, or you're gonna make it a requirement, and you're gonna like say you know, listen this is my standard, so this you know this is all about uh, raising the bar, uh, and I think that the the, t- the conversation here about tying mission to goals and goals to actions is the place for most leaders to look because that's where at the end of the year when you look back, you're going to either have made the impact that you wanted uh, or you're not. And often you're not because you haven't defined the right goals or you didn't manage them properly. So. I, I love the way you put that. I, you know, I had a, a manager at one point who, in our end of year review, used to say this. He said, I, "I'd like you to look back at what you did this year and tell me whether or not you just did stuff or if you accomplished stuff. You know, That's did you great. did you do just sit around and do what you needed to do, or did you really accomplish something?" That's exactly right. Yeah. That is that is, and, and and I think that there's um, this work. When I say it's hard, the truth is, it's a better word is. It's not hard. You need to focus. Right. And focus in this case is not about being able to check off your list. Focus is about stepping back. The work that we're talking about here, tying missions to goals to actions, is about making the effort to step back and ask some big questions about who we are and get consensus around that, defining some high-level goals Three, so people prioritize, and then hold people accountable by saying who's going to do what by when. And this is the kind of work that we love to do, and I think we're really good at. Outstanding, and and an outstanding way to wrap that up. Uh, I, I you said something in there that that um, that is, I I don't know if it was my expertise in leading questions 
or your expertise in reading my obscure questions. But we, things get this way because we let things slip as leaders. When they get bad, it's because we let them slip. I think we have to end on that point uh, because there is a reason we get to where we get. And when we have frustration, yeah. I love it. And yeah. here's why I love it. Because anybody listening to this has to ask themselves, they're, they're, they're saying one of two things. This is a great reminder that I'm on the right track or I need to wake up. Or I'm never listening to this podcast again. Or I'm, or I'm never <laughs> listening to Pete again. <laughs> Hey, uh, thank you, Howard, for this was a good follow up. I appreciate you doing this. You know, I, this is a topic that is close to my heart. I love I, I love talking about this stuff with you. I uh, are you going to take us out? Is that is that what you think? You take you bring us in. You're going to take us out. How the end goes. Yeah, you don't do the end. don't even you bother. So well. Hey, I uh, do it. everybody, thank you for listening to this show. Uh, you can find us at tybelink.com. You can listen to all the past episodes of the show. You can subscribe to the show in iTunes. It's free. It's a great way to make sure you don't miss a single episode. And you know you can uh, follow us on on Twitter at Howard Tybel. He's uh, y- you know when he is particularly when he's in conference mode. That Howard yes. Tybel is all over Twitter, and he's uh, he's active and excited to engage. So it's a great place to to engage with us too. You can find me at Pete Wright. Would love to hear from you. Uh, and uh, so, on behalf of handsome Howard Tybel, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next week on Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybel Inc. <laughs>